check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig and Nick. What a week for St. John's basketball. Back-to-back wins, and just like that, they pull us back in uh, and get us back on the train and back in the positive. Guys, how's it going? Great to be back on the pod. It's always great after winning two games in a row. Going to the brink, the precipice, as they say, of the season and bringing it back. Really, you know, building character. Absolutely fantastic week for St. John's. Made sure we solidified our NCAA hopes. Finally feeling like we got a little, for a minute there, we faltered, but now we're feeling good, baby. Feeling fantastic. It certainly was a bounce back week. Uh, You know, they... With everything that happened, right? The Rick Pitino press conference, you you lose two games, you think you're going to win. and uh, You know, all of a sudden, the NCAA tournament that we talked about at the beginning of the year that's been hyped up was looking like it was completely gone. Uh, and, you know, listen, the win against Georgetown, although it was just a win against Georgetown, uh, it is the first game after the press conference. You know, the team comes out. It, it didn't always look great, okay? I, the Georgetown win wasn't pretty. Uh, and there were certainly moments where it was like, oh boy, oh boy, this might happen again. Uh, but it didn't. They held on. Uh, and then really the culmination was Sunday against Creighton when the guys put it together. And finally we saw what this team could look like uh, by beating the 15, number 15 team in the country uh, when they're playing, you know, with a little with a little kick in the ass, right? With a little bit of, uh, you know, this is the push they may have needed. And I think, I think- he did a good job. I think Rick Pitino was playing 3D chess because, I mean, obviously rattling your guys, it's something, I, there's an article in The Athletic by Dana O'Neill, and she said that he's done this basically at every stop that he's been. He did he did it when he was in Providence. He said the he called, I forget, the one guy and said he wouldn't even, he's not even a scholarship player. And they're the best player on their team. And then they went out the next year, and then they went to the Final Four. And he, he did it. He did it at Kentucky. He told us, you know, I wish, I, you know, if I inherited these guys, stuff like that. So basically, this is par for the course. But I think the part is the three D chess is that the national media had kind of soured on us. We hadn't really got a lot of attention because we hadn't really, you know, lived up to what they the expectations were from them. The the press conference brings all the national media attention back. Mm-hmm. Brings the hype back around it. Good, bad, but you're, it's there. 100%. Then all of a sudden, you beat Georgetown, which is a game we're probably going to win. And then also, by the way, in that week, a little, just a little nugget. Uh, our most rich and uh, famous alumni, Mike Repoli, decides, oh, by the way, next year I'm all in because I love the press conference. So I'm going to spend seven figures to make sure that next year we're even more competitive. So, was that, a, was that a ploy? Did we know that that was going to happen? All I can tell you is that all of a sudden it went from, oh, St. John's in trouble to, oh, wow, look at what St. John's going to be like next year. And all of a sudden, now we got some momentum and we're a national story. So, you know, if it's close on Selection Sunday, they're going to say, hmm, maybe you put these guys in the tournament. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that, right? No one no one in a close call leaves Rick Pitino out, right? And going back to what you said, he's done this every day. The Boston Celtics, right? Bird yeah. isn't walking through this door. Mikhail's not walking through this door sure. uh, in his famous press conference there. And, I mean, you know, it didn't really work with the Celtics, but it's it seemingly worked here, at least so far. Much ever. It worked pretty much everywhere else, to be honest. So I think, you know, it, we've got ourselves back on track. Uh, let's take a look at where we're at right now, right? Big picture talk. We are currently sitting in the seventh spot 
of the Big East heading into the week. 8-9 and nine on the season, 16-12 and 12 overall after our two victories last week. Now, why that's important, uh, the Big East tournament obviously has starts on Wednesday. Teams 6 through 11 play on Wednesday. The higher seeds do not. Now, looking at the rest of the conference as we head into this week, Providence is currently in the five spot at nine and seven. They're catchable for us. Uh, so it is possible that we could play ourselves into a spot if we went out uh, where we could end up in the five spot. It's a, it's a tough road, though. I would say most likely we're going to end up in the six or seven or eight spot. Uh, right around yeah. us, Villanova eight and eight. They're right ahead of us at six. Xavier right behind us, seven and nine, and Butler right behind them at seven and ten. DePaul has locked in. Uh, I guess they haven't technically locked in uh, the uh, eleven spot, but they're going to be there. And Georgetown is going to be the ten. So the question then becomes like, where do you want to play in the Big East tournament? Right? When you look at it, the eight nine matchup is a tough one. That that game goes on to play the one seed, so they'll play UConn who is currently sitting in the one and, and is likely to finish there. Uh, the six eleven game, you, first of all, you get the Paul in the first round. Uh, then you go on and you play the three seed. Uh, so that's not a bad matchup. Right now, the three seed Seton Hall. I know certainly if I'm looking at it, the Seton Hall and the three seed, that's a, that's a matchup I take again. Now, conversely, Creighton is in the four because we just beat them. If Creighton's in that three spot, I'm not really sure we want to see Creighton again. I don't know what you guys think. I wouldn't mind seeing Crane again. I wouldn't mind getting another shot at them because we, we split with them. We have another – I mean, I think we're a better team. We already beat them at the Garden once. We beat them again at the Garden. We also almost beat them in Omaha. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, we lost we were a foul. We were a foul call away. We were a foul call away from beating them. So there's something to say that we match up with them well. Now, I don't disagree with you that That's right. you don't – you know, we just beat them, but I wouldn't, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of Crane, frankly. That's we fair. clearly have a secret sauce that holds them – I mean, look, the odds of holding them so low in terms of three-point percentage three times in a row, probably low. So, you know, probably better off seeing Seton Hall. Who we, but we lost to Seton Hall twice, so I don't know that we really want to see Well, that, that was kind of my thinking is that we're kind of due against them. Uh, now, listen, we've been due against Seton Hall for a while, and it's never come out in our favor, so maybe that's just well-wishing. But I, I think, you know, it, it, certainly I think I'd rather do that. Regardless, I kind of think our best spot is the 7-10. You play Georgetown, you get a little more credit for the win, first of all, against Georgetown than you do against DePaul. And then you go up against Marquette, uh, who is a team that we uh, did not beat this year, uh, lost to twice, but is a team that I think – we do have a nice matchup against, and we have played them close. And they're a team I, again, think we're due against. So I I would almost rather be in that one uh, than in the 6-11, even though you're going to get the layup against the Paul to start. I don't disagree with that, but personally, I think our best spot is in the five spot if we can get there. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an impossible uh, quest to us to get to the five spot. I think it's unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible because well, I don't know Providence, it's impossible. I agree with you. I just think it's unlikely. So Providence yeah, but- plays Villanova, and then I, if I'm not mistaken, Providence plays UConn and Marquette, and then Villanova plays Seton Hall and Creighton. So they're all playing the top. They're both playing the top four guys in the league, and then, and I think they each play Georgetown. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, again, I think there are opportunities. It, it, there's a chance we can get to the five, and if we get to the five, that's great. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I think most likely we're going to end up in the, the six, seven range. I, I, I think, I think the other thing to remember is we do hold the tiebreaker over Villanova. So that is, that is true. An that important is true. thing to remember in terms of all this seating. Uh, Nova does have, look, we have the easiest 
stretch of anybody down left. I mean, Brad Butler. Well, certainly the Big East, right? We have DePaul again. We have Georgetown, DePaul, and then we have Butler. Now, Butler is sitting right now in 10th. So we play the 10th, 11th. Oh, sorry. We play the 9th, 10th, and 11th team in the Big East right now. That's where we play. Right? And now Butler's – I don't think Butler's a bad team. Like, certainly nowhere near Georgetown. I mean, they've got a shot at making a tournament, an outside shot, but a shot. Right. My point is in terms of, like, Villanova plays Georgetown. Okay, they're going to win that game. But they play at Providence, at Seton Hall, and at home against Creighton. Those are tough games. Those could break either way. Right? Yeah. So there's no guarantee that they win the game. And we we are tied with them in the win column. So, like – and we like you would imagine you would have to hope we're going to win win out right. That's this is all obviously saying we're going to win out. Providence on the hand is at Marquette. That's a very tough game. Home against Nova, which is an important game for us to watch. Yeah, at Georgetown. Okay, but then the home against UConn. So like the odds of Providence winning more than two games is I wouldn't say very high. And if they win two games, they're only at eleven wins. If we win all three, we're also at eleven wins. So. There's a very real possibility we could get into the five spot. I think being in the five spot is better than being in the six. Well, you, you avoid the the game on Wednesday, correct? Which is better. Now you do have to play UConn in the second round, which on a Friday. That's why I almost would rather be in the six, six or seven. You you keep UConn on the other side of the bracket, and this way you get you get a nicer road, uh, and and you can get another quality win. Because remember, for us, this Big East tournament is going to count as home games. We're our only possibility of quad one games is going to come against Creighton. It's going to come against Marquette or UConn. Every other game for us is not going to be quad one because, because they now count as home games for us. Uh, And listen, UConn's really good. I hate them, but they're really good. And the longer we can avoid them and hope maybe somebody else upsets them, the better that is for us. So I think there's two, I think you're right. I think there's two ways to look at it. There's the one way to look at it is what do you think is the best path for us to win the biggest tournament? I think the best pass for us to win the biggest tournament is probably what you're saying. It's probably being seven, even six. Either way, avoiding UConn, um, getting, uh, you know, hopefully going that way. That's not necessarily what's best for our at-large hopes. I agree. Well, well, a little bit. The wins are not. Remember, the wins are not. However, if you win the biggest tournament, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying saying you're looking at it two ways, right? If you're looking at a path to win the biggest tournament, that's one thing. Looking at a path to create the best possible last argument to make the tournament is a different thing, right? True. Then you want to play Georgetown. You don't want to play DePaul because DePaul does nothing for you. Not that Georgetown does a ton, but you want to make sure you win that game, and you don't want to be in the 8-9 game. So So 100 net spot difference. Right. Yeah. Then you're going to get a game. Then you're getting a quad one game on Thursday. Right. Right? right, most likely you're going to get a quad one game you're, on. You're going to play Marquette or so Creighton, or like then you have then you have your shot. Right, that's a better chance for us. It may not be the best path, I, although it may be the best path, frankly. But, I, but my point is, there are two ways to look at it. I think, but it's not wrong. Wouldn't mind. Frankly, we don't have any choice. The answer for us is we have to win the next three games, and then whatever the dice rolls out is what. Of course, but it's it's you know it's something to talk about. I talk about you know which which sure. path do you prefer, and I actually think I prefer the path that allows us to win the Big East tournament because even if we, if a St. John's team, right, you're talking about a St. John's team that's coming into the Big East tournament at this point with 19 wins, right? They go down the line. We're gonna get 20, uh, right? If if the path if we're at 21, 22. You don't even win the championship. You're at 22 wins. You're in the Big East championship. There's no way St. Yeah. John's is left out. 
That's 100%. No way. To tell you guys honest truth, 21 wins. You make it to the semifinals with a win over Marquette. St. John's in the tournament. St. John's for the first time makes it to Friday to make it to the semifinals of the Big East tournament. Rick Pitino being there for the first time after he fired up everybody and made it a Creighton. The script is in our favor for the first I, time ever, boys. I just, and, I just, yeah, I just, I don't see how that team gets left off, which is why I'd rather go that path than have to face UConn and lose on Thursday or lose on, or get, you know what I mean? Or have to play them in the semifinals without real hope. I agree. And to be completely honest, it's been 24. Four years, so let's just get to Friday. And That's it, honestly, to be completely honest, that if I'll we get happy. to Friday, I'm gonna be pretty happy. Regardless. Absolutely, and just, so, and and just the reason that our hopes are still alive, by the way, just to circle, kind of close the gap, close the window on the big picture talk. Uh, our net ranking is 44. Right. Our net ranking has consistently been so good because our out of conference. Schedule was so strong, and our conf- and our conference is obviously so strong. So our strength of schedule is top twenty, and that's why we find ourselves constantly still around, despite the fact that we had the bad weeks and we've had the rough runs, because we've put ourselves in a place just by our own schedule that you know we we have enough points, if you will, to help us on the on the old tournament resume the problem is we, we've had some teams slide on us right Villanova no longer really is quality of a win Utah has fallen off a bit uh, you know so now the Creighton win that's a quad one win that's going to remain a quad one win for the entirety of forever okay but listen all we can do is win the three games we have left and hope to get you know because these are home games for us quad one opportunities in the limited ability we have in the tournament uh now butler on the road this is going to be a quad one opportunity on wednesday they're 62 in the net this you know they have to be top 75 they check that box for us so that's great uh that would be another quad one win because remember our, our quad one record is not great we're two and nine quad one uh so you know we're kind of fighting for good wins uh butler on the road good one and then if we can get a Marquette or a, a Creighton uh, in the tournament, that would be another good win. Let's hope the Utes do well in the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> yeah, let's hope Utah wins the Pac-12. That would be spectacular. Let's revalue that uh, win up to a quad one opportunity. Quad one win. That would be great. Let's take a look back at how we got here. All right. Obviously, it was a super exciting week. It started off with the Georgetown game, which I take back to super exciting because that one was super scary. Uh, it was a 90 to 85 victory. Uh, I say scary because Georgetown's a team we shouldn't even remotely have almost lost to. Uh, not that we did almost lose, but we kind of did. 39 to 32 at half, which is certainly scary. And then they actually outscored us in the second half, 53 to 51. Uh, we outlasted them because we are a better team than them. Uh, just to give you some guys who had some great games, because Jordan Dingle certainly deserves a shout-out. 22 points for him. Uh, that was a great day for him. Actually, everybody except for Glenn Taylor, who started, uh, scored double digits. So Soriano had 10, Ledlam had 12, Jenkins had 15, and then Dingle had 22. And we would be remiss to not mention R.J. Lewis. 19 points for him, uh, six rebounds as well off the bench. Guys, I you know fifty seven percent from the field, forty three percent from three. If we could just do this every night, and then our defense and play like we played against Creighton, uh, we could win a national championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can only combine all of our game, all of our best games that we did all season. That's, it, that's what I'm saying. You know, championship team. I think this game was a, a good response 
well, let me say this. It was it was a response to the <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, press conference. We took care of business. Um, the I got to tell you, after the Georgetown win, you felt like good we won. But I don't know that it really made us feel a lot better because a lot of the things that we did against Seton Hall, we did against Georgetown, were just better than Georgetown. Yeah, it felt like we got by by the skin of our teeth, right? We were just, like you said, we were just better than them. And we won by five points. That's not very promising. Correct. And we let them back. We were up big, let them back in at the end of the half like we did against the last seven teams we lost to. And then we didn't play as well in the second half, and we kept let them hang around, let them hang around. Now, look, we ultimately won. So that's what we needed to do. We took and on the road, things are different. I understand, but it did. I was hoping for them to come out like really, like you know, reset the narrative. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, we won, so that's good, and it was important because obviously losing to Georgetown would would really have ended the season. They didn't didn't do that. They responded. They played great offensively, as you said, right? Um, But just defensively, they were just non-existent. For me personally, there was a so little nervousness after the Georgetown game. One hundred percent, and and you are right, Nick. Uh, to Nick's point, it, it it felt like a game where we outlasted them, right? We we the only the the tr- crash was coming, right? The give up of the lead was coming, and it was happening. It's just that we were better than them enough to prevent that from happening long enough, as Michael Jordan said, right? I never lost any games; I just ran out of time, and that's sort of what it felt like. And particularly after the the chaos that was the week before, you're going like, oh my goodness, like how can this this be? Um, but you know what? You got the win. We did have Jaden Epps for them just go off against us, as we always have one guy. He scored 31 for the Hoyas. Uh, but, you know, it was a win. And it was a win. He's shooting for him. And 20. And, that's a yeah, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a lot of shots. <laughs> uh, but it was a win. And what it did was it, it got us, okay, we got our win. Now let's move ahead. Right, and then we yes. moved ahead big time into the other matchup last week, which, as we've mentioned already, was the home game against Cray and the whiteout. Rick Patino cracking out the white suit, although I, it's actually a brand new white suit, by the way, just for the record. He, he bought it like the day before uh, or the morning of, actually, Armani. from Armani. Yeah, apparently his wife is the one who pushed him. He wasn't gonna, he was gonna wear one of regular suits, but uh, his wife was like, "No, you gotta wear white." It's, and the white suit looks spectacular. Oh yeah, it looked amazing. Uh, just amazing. Uh, Everybody good, loved it. Good whiteout. Good, good crowd. Uh, Nick, you mentioned to uh, during you know after the game, right after the game, about how uh, loud the crowd got in the second half in particular. Yeah, so it's funny because like in the like in the first half, you know, we were up by a thirteen at half, right? And generally, when you're up by thirteen at half against the number fifteen team in the country, you're feeling great, right? It was very, very melancholy. Even the whole first half, it almost felt like there was like a lull, like not like a lull, but like a, like there wasn't a high intensity, even though we were up, right? Everybody was kind of expecting it because we've been up in the first half of multiple games. Even against, right. You know what I mean? Seen, we've seen that move before. This, right? we, we've been here. This isn't our first rodeo. And then the second half came and instead of the first four minutes, us getting punched in the face, we kind of showed them like, okay, we, we're still playing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we just held it all throughout. And then because of, I felt like because of the first four minutes, right, that the under 16 happened and everybody was like, oh, like, this is different, right? Like we were expecting, it was the same up until halftime. And now all of a sudden, wait a minute, we, we haven't done this in the last couple of games. And then everything, you know, when we were going down and everybody was just ready to explode. And, you know, we, we went back and forth, back and forth. And then once Jenkins hit that shot towards the end, the whole place exploded. And then once that happened, I mean, we were already up by that point by like 10 with like, I don't know how much left, but like 
up until that point, it didn't really feel like we were going to win because, you know, it's us. You never St. John's. Like yeah, right. No lead is enough. Never enough. Well, when we did, and uh, the defense was key. 39% from the field for the Blue Jays. Uh, a very good shooting team. 23% from three. They took 26 threes, and they only made six of them. That's straight defense is what that is. That, that's all it is. Uh, not to mention, I, I thought this was a, a fascinating stat. They only had two bench points. Two bench points. Now, they don't play a lot of bench guys. They had four guys play one minute. They had one guy play nine minutes, and they had one guy play 23 minutes, though. The guy who played 23 minutes uh, only scored two points. He was the only guy who scored off the bench, uh, which means they rely heavily on their starters, which is true of this team. Uh, and their starters do well, right? Alexander had 31. Uh, Schreierman and Calc Brenner both had 12. Uh, we held Miller to zero. That was good. Uh, he's, he's a rotation guy, though. Uh, but you know, they, they, again, they, they, our defense really shut these guys down, though. I mean, Kalkbrenner's big, big center, 12 points for him. That's a good day for us. He had a double-double, sure. Uh, but eight blocks. Eight blocks. Listen, he's a big guy. Eight blocks. He's a big player. by the way. Uh, no, we did a good job. We did a good, good job. job against him. Yeah, no, in particular, Ledlum, I got, I got to give him props on this one, on this game. Ledlum really locked down Cockbright or whatever he was on him. He really was a menace. He fronted him the whole time. He made sure he didn't get the ball. And even like there was a couple times, like Aline came over and he was boxing him out and he was, they were really like annoying him on defense. And it was, they did a really good job. I got I to credit the whole defense, honestly. And, and I, I Ledlum I, a little bit, who I usually knock. <laughs> I think defense, the defensive effort against Creighton, and let's be honest, where Creighton was, Creighton was coming off beating UConn, right, really right. well. Like it's not like this UConn Creighton yeah. team was playing not good. We they were playing really good, and we just defensively just dominated. I mean, Shireman was one for ten from three point land. He's one of the best three point shooters uh, in the Big East. You had Ash. Ashworth, who went off on Connecticut, he was one six. Like Trey Alexander's really the only one on their team who had a great game. Everyone else we really shut down. So, you know, I think the defensive effort was stellar. Um, and if that defensive effort continues, then we're in it talking about a diff- like a different realm of what we can be because the offense is generally. You know, I think the other thing is the well, offense is well, spectacular today too. Well, 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 well hold on, we, we do have to talk about the offense because I think I think this was a great win for us on multiple reasons. We we didn't really succeed from three point. We were two of eight, twenty five percent, and yet we still came away with the victory, which shows that this team, as much as yes, you can live and die with the three. We can hit threes and we can win that way. This team doesn't need that, and I think it's important to show that. Listen, guys. We don't have to be a team who shoots 26 threes, right? Like blue, like like uh, Creighton does. But, you know, we can be a team who wins when we don't have the three-point game going. It's just finding that other way to win, and that's what we did successfully here that we don't always do. And I think that, you know, that's why we, we found ourselves on the winning end here. 47% from the field is good. Uh, not our best shooting effort, though, by, by, all, by any means. Um, but we, we had good performances. But you know what's better? hundred percent for free throw line, which yes. is one of the <laughs> 10 of 10, baby. stats that we have to talk about because being hundred percent from the free throw line really matters. All it does. Every time we went to the free throw line, we like, <gasps> and then he made it and then he made it and then, yeah. and then we made it. And then listen, we went 10 for time. Imagine get rid of 10 points. We win. No, no. It's 66. is a completely no. different game. It, there was also 
a lot of guys stepped up in, in the game and really played at a high level. I mean, yeah, high I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it when we just probably player, but Dennis Jenkins was next level. Um, best just player on our team. Best play, like he was playing as good as any guard in the country on on Sunday. I mean, he just he just was. He, and, he was absurd. Um, Simeon Mulcher, by the way, came in and gave really good minutes. Looked really, really good, and that gives you a lot of um, potential oh, for the future. And a lot, a lot. just also mentioned him, by the way. Greatly a big fan, I have to say, of his comments. He came out after the whole thing and said. Um, you know, because he gets asked, right? He's a, he's a young guy, freshman, so he's a guy who might be in the transfer idea. He came out in an interview uh, and said, listen, I, you know, I'm committed to St. John's. Uh, you know, playing time for me right now is not an issue. My time's going to come, and I'm, I'm fully committed, which is great to hear in this era of, you know, guys leaving teams immediately, and, you know, you never know who's sticking around, right? He's a guy we're going to build around for the next yeah. four years. So yeah. let's, you know, making hearing that, I, I thought it was really refreshing. Not to interrupt the game talk, but I, that was just something about him that I thought was no. important. But you know. are right in that so many guys stepped up. The the statue almost doesn't give it justice, right? Wiltshire only had six points. Aline had four, but Aline had great minutes, 12 great minutes from Aline, right? Lewis, two points for him. He had a bit of an off night for him. Uh, but edge of four, I mean, seven rebounds, four assists, great, you know, yeah. really – Really, game winning minutes from him. Uh, the other guy, which the other guy, Soriano break. Yeah, absolutely. The other guy that I really want to talk about. Sorry to talk over there. No, no, you're but um, Glenn Taylor had a day. I thought. I, I thought Glenn Taylor's defense was spectacular, and, and that was kind of with him. The book on him coming in was that he's a great defensive player, and he really, really showed it against Creighton. And again, that gives you hope because he's only a sophomore. So that gives you hope for building the future that he can be a key piece to this team. If he can play defense like that, and he rebounded really well. Like he, he doesn't. He might be that guy that doesn't need to score twenty-seven points a game, but he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. So yeah, I, I, mean, I, I was very impressed with. Uh, Glenn. I was impressed with a lot of him, but Glenn Taylor stuck out to me personally. Ten rebounds and, and six assists, right? So not only was he playing defense, he was facilitating on offense. He was, he was doing very, little things. He was doing little things. He was very good. Everybody on our team was really great. I want to give it since everybody else is giving shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Dingle <laughs> because Dingle Dingle went eight for thirteen on the shooting, and he was uh, whenever he got the ball, I was I thought he was going to score. And Dingle's great. That happened too in uh, Georgetown too, when he had what 22, 21 points. Twenty two. Uh, twenty two. So he's he's been on it the last in the last two days, two week, two games. Well, it was certainly what the doctor ordered at exactly the right moment, uh, and it got us our first signature win for sure uh, uh, of the year uh, when we desperately needed it, and it now brought us back uh, back to being a team who's got a shot. A shot at the NCAA tournament and a shot at being in a place uh, where we can play ourselves in and not just hope to backdoor it in. Yeah. So we're back in that. We got it. We have a shot now. That's it. It's still, it's still, it's still, I don't think we, I don't think we, I, I think we have a clear path to the NCAA tournament now. First of all, you never know how the season's going to go. So the, for, there's only so many teams who can get in the tournament, right? There's only so many, so many teams can finish with 25 wins or whatever. That's why, you, you know, you say, I agree with you that the path is fairly clear. It's just, I, I call it a hope because it sounds cooler. I think I, 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 I'm a little less bullish on it than, than you got. I think there's still a, a good chance, but it's not 
by any I think there's Not a lot of things. Lock. I mean, I would never say it's a lock. No, but I think there's a lot of things that gotta go right. I mean, you gotta look at the yeah, small conferences. Butler, we have to keep I mean No no but beyond that, we need to we, you gotta see what happens in championship week. You need if, if will say some this. teams win that aren't supposed to you can shrink that bubble and that we, that's hard for us. So I, there's a lot of to a lot of hoping and praying and worrying for that will come for the next three weeks. To your point, we should look out for uh, San Francisco because if San Francisco wins the West Coast Conference by some miracle over uh, St. Mary's, Mary's and Gonzaga, they're going to be a bubble stealer. Yeah, Movies. I mean that hundred percent good, and they're not a bad team. They could, yeah, they're, they're a good team. team. I mean, those small conferences, you need the they're teams fluky, that man. are. You need the teams that are going to make it to win the tournament. Otherwise, we're going to shrink the bubble, and right. we can't. We need the bubble to be as big as possible. For sure, Indiana State. We, we, we need want, them to win. We want. Tournament. We want. Yeah, we want all the teams who are supposed to win to win because it gives us more opportunities. All right, let's look at the spotlight player of the week. As we talked about, obviously the Creighton game was heavy, but the Georgetown game counts as well. Uh, that's how the spotlight player of the week works. Uh, so, Craig, we'll start with you. Who do you got? So it's a tough it's a tough week for for this to be honest. I don't know that it's clear cut. I'm gonna go with Jordan Dingle. I think Dingle played really well both games, and I think he has if he can get hot again, it, it changes the dynamic of this team because he's become that third score that we really need. And I was very impressed with the way he played this week and, and bounced back. So I'm gonna say Jordan Dingle for me. All right, Jordan Dingle, Nick, who do you got? Even though I talked about Dingle a little bit earlier, I think he had a, you know, he went eight for thirteen in both games. Uh, I think he did a fantastic game. But I'm going to go with Jenkins, uh, as we talked about earlier. Jenkins went; uh, he was just on a different level. Uh, he came out; he was ready to he was ready to ball. He showed it on both ends of the floor. He, you know, twelve for eighteen against Creighton. He had six assists against and twenty seven points against Georgetown. He went; he had fifteen points, five assists, five for eight. He is. And he was like, I mean, he's the ball. He's our main ball handler. And now we're really running our entire offense through him. And I mean, as we should. And it's you know it's proven good against Creighton and, and Georgetown. You know, not not to discredit that. Well, but, I mean, the win's not as big, but I get you. So you, your, your vote is Dennis Jenkins. My vote is Dennis Jenkins. Yeah. Jenkins understands what it matters. He does. He, listen, he's the best player on our team. I've said it all year. And I'll stand by. I'll die on that hill. Uh, however, this week I am going to go with Jordan Dingle. Great week for him. Eighteen points. Uh, in the Creighton game, really, you know, he's a guy who's the gonna be who is you know on paper the third guy on our team, right? Twenty two points against Georgetown too. Again, not to discredit that game, but uh, eighteen points. Uh, you come out against a, team, a fifteen team in the country, and you are second highest on the team as the guy who's supposed to be the third scorer. That's how you win games, uh, and that's what he did. So Jordan Dingle getting the first. I think it's the first for him. First. Uh, First spotlight player of the week for him. So exciting, yeah, exciting for, for him. I did, and he was supposed to keep track. So we well, of like most things in life, Craig fell behind in keeping track, and he just continued to not keep track. So I, I know how many everybody won. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, maybe you can round them off for us one day. Uh, but we don't need to hear it now. Anyway, <laughs> moving ahead. Uh, we, got a, we got one game this week, and we'll talk about one other game uh next week just because DePaul is DePaul. So we'll just kind of get that game out of the way. <laughs> There's not much to say about it. I got to be completely honest. That's our sister uh, school, Vincent. Yeah, well, if, if, there was no, rele- if there was relegation in college basketball, I know who would be going down. Anyway. DePaul is the worst Power 6 team in probably in the last decade. All right, well, we'll touch on DePaul in a minute. We're first game of the this week, the only game of this week, very important game. 
I cannot stress. Very important. Quad one opportunity for us. Continuation of momentum for us uh, is at 8.30 on CBS Sports Network on Wednesday in Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler. We've only won twice in Hinkle Fieldhouse ever. So, not great. Butler, however, is coming in on a four-game losing streak. They lost two games at Hinkle. They lost to Marquette and Creighton back-to-back, and they lost two on the road. They lost at Villanova and at Cedar Hall before they come in and face us. Now, obviously, we beat them last time, 86-70. to That game was at Carneseca Arena, but a nice 16-point victory there. Uh, we've got a familiar face, obviously. We touched on it last time, but Posh Alexander, of course. Uh, on the Butler Bulldogs now. So it'll be a game for him. I'm sure he'd like to step up because Butler is also fighting for a tournament spot. They constantly find themselves on the bubble in the first four out or next four out at this point. Um, But certainly looking to get a bid. So they are not fighting for nothing. Uh, Posh Alexander leads the team in assists. No surprise there. Uh, Not their leading scorer though. Pierre Brooks is their leading scorer. Averages 14 a game. And this is a team that is in a spot similar to us and who is going to step up big. We just have to step up bigger. Uh, and again, we did that when we, we faced them at home uh, and we did a good job offensively. We shot 50% from the field, 20% from three, six of 21, which isn't great. Uh, we weren't great on defense, 40% for them, 31% from three. Those are numbers we need to bring down uh, if we want to see us see ourselves victorious this time. So last time we had five guys score double digits. Uh, we were 50% from the field. Obviously, offensive success leads to winning basketball games. Besides having five guys score double digits, please just don't answer with that. What what do we need to do in this spot to come away with a victory at a hostile environment that we're not really used to winning at? So I think one of the, the key things to this game, I mean, listen, we, we always shoot bad at Hinkle. Like you said, we only won there twice ever, ever, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, but it's a, it's a tough, you know, I've been there. It's, it's tough to shoot at it's weird angles, all that fun stuff. Field house turned sideways. It's fun. Uh, it's a great, it's a, if you ever get a chance to go out there, go out there. It's amazing. I love it. I wrote a paper on it when I was in college, but that's a different point. I think the key to this game, honestly, is we're one of the best rebounding teams in the country. Um, they're one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. They average 35.6 a game. We need to rebound well as, as we do. Um, and if we shoot like we did and play defense like we did against Creighton, uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to have a problem. And I am a little worried about we have to lock up Posh a little bit. So I will note that. I definitely agree with the locking up of Posh. Because not only uh, that includes offense and defense for Posh. Because yeah. you know we all know how Posh can be defensively. So Posh is definitely a guy we want to watch out for. My biggest key to this game, in my opinion, is Besides getting the ruler out and measuring Hinkle to show our guys that it's the same size <laughs> as the court in Carnesecca. Oh, all right, great. Um, Good um, your reference. Okay. Had to do it. Had to be done. Um, what I would, I think for us, which is going to be really important, is the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. In, in the games that we've struggled and we've given back leads, that's where you saw it coming. And against Creighton, we didn't do that. And that is a huge difference because it's just a momentum change. It doesn't mean that they won't make a run at some point in the second half, but if you give the lead back a little bit right before the half and then a little bit, it's like all the good play in the first half is gone. Um, so yeah, I think those are critical moments uh, for us that we really need to play well in that. And we really need to play the connected defense we played against Creighton. And if we continue like that, we'll be in great shape. 
I agree with the those being the, the key minutes for us, uh, and I do agree with the Posh Alexander. I, I think for us, it's, again, showing that we can do it without making threes. We've only won two games there. We shoot poorly when we play at Hinkle. We need to figure out ways to score without living or dying with the three like we did against Creighton, right? If we can make sure that, listen, if we go two away from three and still win, that's the kind of game I'm looking for here because I just think – we don't play well there. Let's not try to shoot the lights out. Let's stick to the game we played last time and get ourselves back on the winning horse. Now, I, I give you another question here. So, obviously, we've already got the Creighton win. This is a quad one opportunity here. Which game is more important, the Creighton win or this game? Now that we already beat Creighton, as you said, uh, I think the Butler win is, is more important now, right? But if I, I think there's also a world where, like, if now that we beat Creighton and we lose against Butler, we could still make the tournament. So ultimately, I, I guess I do think that the Creighton win is more important. Okay. The Creighton win is more important. I think the, the Butler game is important now because we we need to win, but that's this, you could say the same theoretically against Georgetown too, right? So that no one would argue that the Georgetown game is important. The, the Korean win is important because it's our first signature victory. And it, it, it's another level of victory opposed to a game that we probably are expected to win. It's a game we were not expected to win. So that's why I think that game ultimately has a bigger impact for us. Um, so that's why I think that game is more important. But not to, not to take away the importance of the Butler game, because now no, that we're past sure. that game. It's still a quad one win. Both quad it, one win. Butler one is massively important, because I, they, the whole season run, hinges on the Butler game this Wednesday. I do, and the I whole, do see se- what you're the whole season will hinge on the Georgetown game the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, so, that's fair, but that but yes, but that doesn't mean the Georgetown game is as important as the Butler game or the Korean game. I, true, I, I, true. I mean, the answer is short, and once you hit the Big East tournament, every game is more important than any game we play in the season because if we lose, we're done, right? And the same thing about the NCAA tournament. But sure, like, sure. I, my, the point is, I think impactful, use the word impactful, I think that's probably a better gauge uh, and I agree. I think Creighton is the most impactful game we've had all year for multiple reasons, right? It was a whiteout game where we needed to make a statement after what was a crazy week. Sure, we had the Georgetown win in the middle, but that was kind of a layup. Uh, and we got it. We got the job done, and now we got our, our guys came back out for Rick Pitino. Uh, and, you know, Rick Pitino even said after the game, he said, listen, I, I, you know, this is the closest group of guys I've had since the Providence teams I had. Uh, and you know, I needed to rattle their cages and to so get them to play like this, and it worked. So you know, that's why I'm, I'm with you. I just you know wanted to get your get your opinion, see what you thought, see if you see if you were really disliking the Bulldogs as much as you do. Because I know Nick is a big anti Bulldog guy. He's a real not big Butler guy. I'm not a big not Butler guy. You are. You don't like Butler. Uh, th- there's been, there's been times in the past where I haven't, I wasn't a huge fan of Butler. But... That's all I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> they have a nice stadium now. Um, and it, it, I, get to, I, I, get I do see over. a bit of a trap here with the Posh Alexander setup. Uh, you know, we do have to keep him limited because having that, uh, as a guy who wants to come out and, and ruin our hopes, I could certainly see happening. We have no room for error anymore. No. The room for error is gone. No, so we, we need to, we have to win against Butler. 100%. That game is Wednesday, 8.30, CBS Sports Network. Uh, then we get a break. We get a break between Wednesday and our next game is in March, guys. We've made it. We've made it to March, the end of the season. Uh, two games in March before the Big East tournament. The first one being on Tuesday, March 5th, 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 in Chicago against the 
DePaul Blue Demons. Now, we've mentioned DePaul, we've bashed DePaul, uh, and all of that is fair uh, because DePaul has not won a game in this year. They, as a matter of fact, they haven't won a game since December 30th of 2023. Uh, they have not won a Big East game. Uh, they came close. They were a layup away, and they almost got the layup against Georgetown, uh, but they whiffed it, as Craig showed us the video four times, despite us all having seen it before that we were on this Zoom. But this is a team that is just fundamentally unsound and is not really <laughs> equipped to win games in the Big East and DePaul. They're not uh, a Big East caliber team. Right? They're not. And, and listen, they, they get it. They, they fired their coach in the middle of the season. You, yeah, can't, you can't expect most of it, much from them. Uh, what it is for uh, everybody is a trap game because you cannot lose to the Paul. <laughs> right. uh, they're yeah. they're quad, They're in the three hundred range in terms of the net. They're like a quad fifteen loss. <laughs> uh, they're the quad. They're they're what they are in your resume is they're automatic denial. Uh, yeah. if you lose to them, you just automatically don't make the tournament if you lose to the Paul. I'm kidding, but uh, no, no, I I don't think you actually. No, are. No, well, no, for us, lose. not for us, not. For, I mean, for yeah, us we, in this situation, if, if we lose to Paul, the season's over. I'm just saying, right. like, There's no coming back from that. like if if by some miracle Marquette had lo- loses to them or something. I don't know who the rest of their games, but. Say they lost to Mar- Mar- Marquette would still make the tournament despite they would they would probably drop like two seed lines. Oh, they yeah. would, they would go from yeah. being a two seed to being a five, and that's they would how, deserve how, to because that's how bad DePaul is. That's how bad DePaul is. But anyway, I you know this I don't I don't want to hammer them too bad. I mean they are our sister school. Shout out Nick for saying that every time. Uh, we beat them eighty five to fifty seven last time out in UBS Arena in front of a, a week weekly attendance game. <laughs> it was uh, six thirty on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I think it was just a bad recipe there. It's a Tuesday. DePaul's terrible. It's UBS. It, it was a bad recipe. Uh, I think we don't get judged on that. I just wanted to make fun of it because no, that's fair. Uh, it, it had the audience deserved, though. I got to be honest. Shout out to Paul. Shout out Niagara, our other sister school. The only three <laughs> contention schools in North America. Nick, I think you might be the only person <laughs> in human history that cares about this. <laughs> because also the only guy who brings it up every year. We can play Niagara this year. He brought up again. Yeah, let's people shout them out. Bro, no one cares. Yeah, let's people know. <laughs> no right. one cares. No one cares. No one cares. I, was an I love you, Nick, but no one conference. cares. Come on, bro. Th- this is in the Mac. <laughs> this is in the Mac. In the Mac. It's the double A Mac. Uh, no, I mean, the Paul probably would be better off in the Mac right DePaul, now. The Paul would have more conference wins in the Mac. I could, I would actually guarantee that they had more. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Actually, no. I, I would guarantee they wouldn't have either. less. I can guarantee they wouldn't have less no, wins that's... in the Mac. They wouldn't have fired a coach in the Mac. You want to know something? It's a little sad. <laughs> DePaul, besides well, the Paul season. Well, it's happy if you're DePaul. No. The, well, sort of. DePaul has a NCAA tournament win more recently than we do. Just no, that is pretty sad for us. Two thousand four, two thousand for St. John's. Well, they're not getting a win this year. So no, they're definitely not getting a win this year, and we got a shot. So what would be nice for DePaul this year is suck at DePaul. What would be real nice for DePaul this year will be on March 14th when the season finally comes to an end. That'll be a happy day for them. They're going to lose on Wednesday, but they're going to have to lose that day, so they're not going to be happy. But then <laughs> the next day, the season will have ended, and it'll be over. It'll have the added final moments, yeah. and you can just move on with their lives. Uh, the poor people, those poor people, the poor players, too. Anyway, that's a game we cannot afford to lose uh, and should not lose. Uh, I would ask you what the recipe for victory is, although against DePaul, it is very simple. Uh, just play your game and let DePaul play theirs. Just play basketball. 
<laughs> just, yeah, just it's basketball. I, show up to the arena and don't get snowed out or something. Yeah, just, plane. just don't fall asleep. That's it. Yeah. Don't, don't be looking be, towards. Be there, you know, and shoot. Right, let, the let's not jinx ourselves here, guys. All right, let's let's be a little more not crushing of them, just in case, okay? Because you know, next week when we hop on and and all of a sudden uh, we're in tears, it won't we won't, oh, we won't sound as fun. Oh no! If we lose against Paul, I'm not being back on the pod. I'm going to jump in front of a train <laughs> on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike them, who will be happy the season ended on March 14th. <laughs> yeah. For us, the season will not end fast enough because we'll have to endure two weeks of of you know, bashing for the loss. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode for Craig and Nick. I'm Vincent. Go Johnny's keep chasing.